Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. See, no one cheated because it's not up there yet. And so you're in your Bibles. Amen. First Samuel 21, I'm going to read starting with verse number 10. And uh, read just a couple of verses, a few verses rather, of Scripture here. Uh, actually, a couple of weeks ago, uh, whenever I preached to you about maximizing our cry, uh, during the process of study, as it happens sometimes, you come across another facet and I have a problem of wanting to restrain and not include that in whatever I'm doing. And so I, I showed great discipline. I wrote it down, set it aside. I could have easily worked it into what that was two weeks ago, but I didn't. Amen. So here we are tonight. Amen. With what I believe the Lord. Amen. Spoke even back then. Verse 10. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. And went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish, Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart. And was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. The Bible goes on to describe how he changed his behavior and feigned himself as a madman. And he ended up leaving Gath. For a little while tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, we need the Holy Ghost. We need the help of the Lord tonight. I want to minister this. It's not as it appears to be. You could change out that word appear with various things. From my standpoint of view tonight, it's not as it appears to be, not as it seems to be. It's not as I feel it is. Just all that whole gamut of different things that we could put in there tonight. I want the Lord to help us in the next little while. Can we pray right now that the Lord, amen, would have his perfect will to be done here. Father, I love you. God, we're grateful, Lord, for every song that has been sung and played here tonight. God, for the interaction, Lord Jesus, of your people in praise, Lord, and in worship. God, we acknowledge you, Lord Jesus, in this play. But I pray, God, tonight, Lord, that in the ministry of your word, God, that your word can go forward. Your word can go forward. Perhaps, Lord, somebody can identify with the word of God tonight. Help us, oh, Lord Jesus, our minds to be stayed upon you. Help us, Lord, to open our lives that that word God can challenge and also change us, Lord, according to the will of your spirit. God, and will not fail to praise you and thank you in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, amen and amen of the church. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. It's not as it appears to be. David's debut in the public's eye did not come until the valley of Elah when the Philistines were upon their mount and the children of Israel was on their mount. And they were constantly coming to the valley of Elah engaging in battle. 
It was that battle in front of the eyes of both the Philistines and the Israelites that earmarked or denoted David as a warrior among the knowledge of all the people. But even prior to that moment in the valley of Elah, David was a warrior in private before he was ever a warrior in public. He explains to Saul as he is surveying the battle against the Israelites and the Philistines at the valley of Elah, David explains to Saul as proof of his credentials for fighting Goliath about his private warfare that he had had before he ever reached this day. He was, David was all but unheard of as the youngest of Jesse's sons. He was a keeper of his father's sheep. That was his purpose, his job description in life. His days were spent tending the sheep writing poetry, if you will, a few psalms here and there, uh, putting some, composing some music and putting to the lyrics of some of the psalms that he wrote that we even have in the book of psalms. That was his life. But he explained to Saul very plainly that there had been a time as being a shepherd boy, Brother Terry, that a lion had approached one day and at another time a bear had approached and came and took a lamb out of his father's flock and the Bible declares that David illustrates unto Saul that David himself he did not bat his eyes when that happened he did not turn his head in the other direction when that occurred the Bible doesn't describe that he cowered down or that he seemed to be afraid at all but rather David relates to Saul what it was that he said in those moments that there was opposition adversary, intimidation, if you will, of these animals upon the flock. David tells Saul, he said, I went out after him, speaking of the lion or the bear, and I smote him and I delivered it out of his mouth. He says, I I caught the lion by his beard. And I I smote him and I slew him. And David tells Saul, he says, this uncircumcised Philistine known as Goliath is just going to be just the same as one of those lions or one of those bears that I defeated as a warrior in private. You must understand tonight then that the manner of David and the demeanor of David is not one to back down from opposition. It's not one to tuck his tail and run away. Whenever he arrived at the battlefield there in the valley of Elah that day, the Bible says that all of Israel had gone forth to fight with the Philistines in the valley. They had went forth with their swords and their shields in hand but whenever that formable if you will foe Goliath appeared and showed up asking the same question that he had asked for the past 40 days give me a man show me a man that will come out and fight against me the Bible says that all of Israel fled and they hid and they resorted back to their trenches because they were sore afraid that was all of Israel 
But that wasn't David. David had quite a different response from the rest of the group. As a matter of fact, he tells Saul, he says there may be reason that these men are running, but there is no reason for their hearts to fail them. There's no reason for them to be afraid. He says, because I'll go and I'll fight this Philistine and I'll go and I'll have battle with him. Look at 1 Samuel 17 and verse 18, verse 48. And it came to pass that when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. This is Goliath now that is approaching and drawing nigh to David. The Bible says that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. This is just the character of David. When most people are running away from the fight, you see David running towards the fight. When everybody else is fleeing, you could typically depend upon David running toward. Again, he was not a man known to back down. He was not a man known to give up. His behavior of being a warrior, his behavior of being a fighter, amen, secured him the position under Saul as being the head over the men of war he would go out to war he would come back with his sword drenched in blood it was probable that whenever David returned from battle he's returning unscathed and he has slaughtered the adversary he has slaughtered the enemy it's this zeal that he has it's this track record that he has that promotes the women that whenever David returns home from battle they're coming out and they are dancing and they are chanting and they are singing about how Saul has slain his thousands but David has slain his ten thousands the warrior but whenever we come upon the passage that I read into your hearing tonight and particularly verse number 10 our text shows a different David. Our text shows what would seem like a different man. As a matter of fact, you almost want to research the scriptures and go back and say maybe maybe this is just another man that was named David that they're talking about. Surely this cannot be the same David of 1 Samuel 17 that took down Goliath. Surely this can't be the same, the same David of, of 1 Samuel 18 where the women came out and sang and danced about the exploits and the power, amen, of this man David. Because whenever you you see verse number 10. You're looking what would seem like a different David. The Bible says that David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath. No, no, wait a minute. We can't be talking about the same person, Brother Fred. The David I know when war's going on, he arises and he goes fight. The David that I know whenever it's a lion or a bear that's approaching even just the flock of his father, he's ready to get up and he's ready to go after them and smite them and slay them. This cannot be the same David because this David, rather than going to the battle, is fleeing from the battle. This David, rather than approaching it, is trying to find a refuge in a city somewhere, in a distant land somewhere, away from the opposition, 
away from Bethel. He's going to the city of Gath. The city of Gath is the city that Goliath came from. That's where Goliath have lived. And so David is going back to the city of Gath, but he's going there as a refugee. He's going there trying to find shelter because Saul is desiring to kill David, desiring to take his life. It's another foe, but rather than fighting, he is retreating. Rather than taking matters into his hand and going forward, and defending he's going away trying to find some place to hide some place to protect a man himself he is going to the city of Gath and so as he walks into the city he is walking into the city as a man that is afraid the Bible even says we understand that he's already visited the tabernacle according to scripture in order to get some bread and in order to get a sword. He didn't want to be out there of course with no weapon at all but he's not using the sword. He just wants to have one on hand. And a matter of fact whenever he asked the priest do you have any weapons he said yeah. He said the sword of Goliath is here. He says well give that to me there's none like it. So imagine here for a moment here's David that has hoisted on his Side, the sword of Goliath where there is none like it was quite larger than other swords because Goliath is a giant but he is being a refugee he is afraid he is being quite different than what he was he has the same sword that he cut off Goliath's head with by his side and yet he's fleeing to Gath enemy territory to hide find shelter and just to lay low because there's opposition all around him Someone say amen. Hallelujah. And as he does this, as he's coming into the city, I, you, you, I, I got to get you to a point here tonight. As he's entering the city, you got to understand what David's purpose is and what these old enemies that he had of Goliath's clan believes his purpose is. As David enters the city, he's looking for refuge, shelter. He's looking for a way out. Amen. Because he's sore afraid of Saul. The Bible even says he is sore afraid of Achish, the place that he is going to the king of the place that he is going to and when he walks in he's brandishing if you will the sword of Goliath he walks into the city and the servants of the king of Achish begin to murmur among themselves and the questions that they pose to the king is this is this not the king of the land and is this not he that they would used to dance to and come out and say Saul has slain his thousands and David his 10,000. In other words, David's coming here to retreat. David's coming here to hide. But when they see David walk in with that sword on his side, they see the warrior walking into the city. David is coming in as a refugee, but they're remembering the warrior that's walking in. In other words, David, I know it seems like in this period of time that things seem to be crowded in on you and the world, as you know it, is falling down all around you and there are bad things happening and men that's of your own brethren are coming and chasing you and I know normally you would go fight and you're trying to re-retreat right now and I know in your mind you're saying, I'm a fugitive. That's who I am. I'm a fugitive. I'm right now the person that runs away rather than runs toward. I'm a fugitive. But there's something you need to realize in this moment, David. That an old enemy is not seeing you as a fugitive when you walk into town. They're seeing you as the warrior that you've been. Someone say amen. 
Just give me a little bit of time here. What was it that laid in David's spirit or caused this turn in his life from being a fighter to a retreater? What was it that brought this about? Can I declare to you that yes, the Bible says at different times when he was in the presence of Saul, that Saul would have his javelin in hand and anger would come upon him. He despised David. Amen. He was jealous of David. And the Bible says he would throw the javelin and David would step out just in the moment. He knew things were getting bad. He had formed a friendship with Jonathan, Saul's son. And they had had a sweet communion together. They were good friends and good buds. And Jonathan had told David, he says, I'm going to bend the ear of my father and see where you really stand with him. Uh-huh. I would have talked to him. David was absent for a few meals. Allowing, he asked Jonathan he could get away. Just tell him I'm seeing family. Then you see how your dad reacts to all of that. And Jonathan had told him, and there's, like, there's a lot of scripture in all this. Jonathan told him, he said, you go hide by the rock on a particular day. And he says, uh, if I say that the arrows are beyond you, he says, then you need to flee and run because things are not good. Stay with me here for a moment. So David, the normal fighter, David, the normal one that's not going to tuck his tail, but's going to hold his ground, is setting somewhere behind a stone. And someone that he had confidence in as a friend, I believe they had a good friendship. But he was deciding something that David normally decided for himself. He's sitting out there behind the rock. He's waiting for the words of Jonathan. Jonathan's out there with his servant. He pulls back some arrows in his bow. He shoots them. And he has the the servant to go fetch the arrows. And as the servant is going out there to find the arrows, David says to the servant, Are not the arrows beyond you? And what that meant to David was this. David, what's happening right now in the kingdom? What's happening not right now for my father? What's happening right now for the, all the opposition? It's beyond you. you go, it's beyond you. you got to get out of here. This is beyond you. And so David left that meeting in that moment thinking, I can't fight this. I can't struggle against this. I can't do anything about this. It's beyond me. Oh, I got to preach to somebody in this house that's been sitting somewhere behind a rock and all you've heard is it's beyond you. You can't do anything about it. Your world is crumpling around you. There's opposition. There's turmoil. There's power. There's, there's upheaval. And it's all against you. You would normally fight. Hold on. You would normally fight. Give me just a little bit more in the house tonight. You would normally fight. But somebody, something is telling you, no, it's beyond you. And so you're seeking now a place of shelter. You are now a fugitive when you were a fighter. (laughs) So we have the mindset then as we go to Gath, I'm a fugitive looking for refuge. But what we got to understand is the opposite side of the coin. That what that old enemy, those people of Gath, What that old enemy sees is not what you see. Or they don't see how you even feel. There's some people sitting here tonight just feel like it's it's all beyond you. Nothing can be done about it. No sense in fighting. And you're retreating and you feel like the fugitive. But if you, as David did, could hear the questions that are being posed about you, 
the old adversary and enemies not seeing the fugitive. They're seeing the warrior. So what I'm telling you tonight is this. I don't care how it seems. I don't care how it feels. I don't even care how you're acting right now. There is an adversary that is perceiving that there's still a warrior in that person. There's still a fight in their personality. There is still a strength in the middle of their weakness. There is still power. It is not as it appears or even feels or seems to be. Uh, someone say amen. Can I go? Can I go perhaps just a little step further here tonight and tell you I have a hanky in this right pocket that I really need? <laughs> this is what popped out to me two weeks ago that all the times that I've read the scripture I've never really quite picked up on before <laughs> he said is this not he that they sang Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands but the first question they posed to Achish the king of, the, of Gath was this is this not the king of all the land That might not seem like much to you. But at this very moment in David's life, he's not being coronated king. At this very point in David's life, the title of king is not attached to him or his name. Just watch with me here for a moment. The only thing that's happened up to this point in time is an anointing upon David's life for kingship. The only thing that's happened up to this point of time is when he was out with his out with the sheep and looking after daddy's sheep that daddy called him in and the prophet Samuel has come to the house. Now just walk with me. I got a lot of scripture here. Amen. That I'm just kind of telling you without reading it to you. Amen. He came. Samuel came. And remember, Samuel comes under the umbrella of it just being a sacrifice type of meeting. Because he says, if I go with the agenda of anointing somebody king and I state that openly Saul's going to show up so this is done under the umbrella of it just being a sacrifice and he calls Jesse and his household to the sacrifice he sees Eliab thinking it's the one but it's not as it appears to be it's not the one. He finally gets to the end. Ask him if he has any more sons. Yes, there's, there's David. He's out tending the sheep. He says, go fetch him. He goes, fetches him. David comes in the presence of Samuel. The Lord tells him that that is the one. He raises that horn of oil. Now watch me right now. There was, of course, David's brethren that were there. There were probably also, you can read the scripture, brethren of the city of Bethlehem that was there since this was under the auspice of this just being a sacrifice type meeting. But nevertheless, he he raised that horn of oil. That type of anointing only happens for three types of people. Priests, prophets, and kings. So the multiple choice for everybody that is there is this. Which could it be? It's not known. But Samuel knows what it is for. It's for kingship. 
Oh, someone listen to me right now. The Bible says when he lifted that horn and poured it upon David's head, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So when David was feeling like a fugitive and acting like a fugitive and walks into an old enemy's camp, they don't see a fugitive. They see the warrior he was and the king he was to be. Brother Mason, I've been preaching it now for a few years that really many times what gets the attention of your adversary, amen, is your potential of where your destiny is. He has an inkling about where you're going, what you can become. And whenever David walked into the city that day, it wasn't as he felt or as it appeared. He was still the warrior that he had been and he had the destination of a king anointing upon his life and the spirit of the Lord was... Someone say amen. amen. Yeah. Can I tell somebody in this place that life has done you a disservice and you have felt and are sometimes tucking your tail and run when you normally would have thought. Can I tell you today that God has a destiny upon your life and he's already placed the anointing of that destiny upon your life and though you don't have the title or the position, you already got the anointing and the power. We say don't listen to your adversary, but there's sometimes you need to. <laughs> like whenever they're starting to drop the reality of the situation to your confusion. Someone say amen. <laughs> so here's the old arrow before uh, beyond you, boy. Walking in, hearing his enemy say, he's the warrior, he's the king, and he's not yet even got the throne yet. <laughs> now look, the Bible says, I read it in our text, that David laid these things up in his heart. Why? Because he came to a realization in that moment that he wasn't living out prior to that moment. Jonathan said they're beyond you and that's what he took into his spirit and that's the way he lived his life then. Fugitive. Retreat. But when he heard the voice of the enemy say, warrior and king, he says, I go took that in my heart. I'm going to tuck that in my heart. The Bible says after that moment he changed his behavior. In a real literal sense, the Bible says he, they, he feigned himself a madman. He's scribbling on the wall. Scrabbling, actually, I think is the term that the scripture uses. He scrabbled on the city gates. That gave him the release from Gath to go on. Amen. Not only did he change his behavior in the moment, but listen to me. He changed his behavior after that whole occurrence because he heard the voice of the adversary say, that's the warrior, that's the king, when he felt like a fugitive. You see that he leaves that place of Gath. You know where he goes. Now here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. Walk with me right now. Whenever you find out that you're still the warrior or seen as that and the king that you are becoming, you'll still play with fugitive tendencies. David goes, leaves Gath, and goes to a cave. 
That is fugitive tendency. But while he's there, about 20 or 30 miles from Bethlehem, his hometown, his family shows up. His brethren show up. And about 400 other people show up. The Bible says every man that was in debt and discontent and distressed showed up. And here's the words, watch this. And David became their captain. (laughs) Where do you have a captain? You have a captain in an army. The fugitive has plugged back into his warrior side somewhat. He still has some fugitive tendencies, but he's changed his behavior in another sense already. He's taken 400 men in distress and and discontent and in debt and he's formed an army out of them. Some of these same men that you read of will be the men that he gives accounts of in his dying days that he's given his last breaths to that he's talking about people that were his mighty men. He took a bunch of in debt, discontent, distressed people and because of the warrior side of them made them into I can see almost with every new recruit that comes. Not arrogance, but a self-confidence that arises back in David. They said it was beyond me, but I feel like it still might be in me. Not only that, watch it now. You can see in Scripture, the Bible says, for the most part, David is, is afraid of Saul. Now, he's in a very, a very peculiar place right here. Because he respects Saul in his position of being king. Listen, just because you go to war against one against somebody doesn't mean you have to kill them in order to fight them. Now watch. David with his what he feels, refuge, fugitive tendencies. Finds yet another cave. So see, he's not totally let go of all this. He's in a cave, him and some of his men. The Bible says as he's in that cave, in walks King Saul. Scripture says that Saul goes in there and he covers his feet. That means he was using the restroom. And I'm not joking you. That's exactly what the guy was doing. He's in the cave. He's covering his feet. The men behind David is saying, David... Why don't you take him out? Kill him. David reaches forth his hand. He cuts off the skirt of his garment. Pulls it in close. And even when he did that, his heart smote him. And he cut off the king's garment. Whenever Saul exited the cave, David exits the cave. And he says, Oh, Saul, let it be known today. That I could have done more harm to you than what was done as he held the skirt of his garment in his hand. Saul's looking over. Is that my son, David? Oh, pitiful. Been trying to kill the boy. Is that my son, David? (laughs) You've been good to me, boy. You know. But note the words of the scripture. And I got the verses up here. And I know sometimes you don't trust me. But I, you know, I want you also to trust Scripture, but I try to go from Scripture. But nevertheless, <clears throat> he tells him 
in 1 Samuel 24 and verse 20. This is the word of Saul. <laughs> he says, by this, he says, I know that you will be or are king. Look at it now. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Why? Oh, God. Because although David still has some fugitive tendencies, he's starting to find himself again as the warrior. And he's already to start to find himself in the actions and the demeanor and display of kingship. Wow. Because only a king can have the power of someone's life that should be taken and acquit it and allow them to be pardoned. And so Saul says, I know by this that you are going to be king. So if we could just cast our voice over our shoulders, David, and I know that Jonathan had good intentions for you, amen, but you know what? It's not all beyond you. It's not all beyond you. You don't have to be a fugitive. You don't have to be, if you will, amen, just the effect, amen, of all the circumstances in your life. You don't have to be the tail. You can be the head because you are the warrior and you are destined to be the king. Somebody needs to arise in this house tonight and stop allowing the world and other voices dictate to you that you need to be a refugee, that you need to be a fugitive. You need to stand up in the middle of your fears and stand up in the middle of your anxiety and say, I was a warrior and I am a warrior and I have the anointing of a king upon me. What that means is is power and authority and demonstration. Oh, yes. It's not as it appears to be. It's not as it appears to be. Someone say it's not as it appears to be. You need to look to yourself and say, self. Change your behavior. Self, change your behavior. (laughs) How many times have you felt one way? And your adversary had more knowledge than you did, and it was quite another way. They'll let you just lead on to your self-loathing if you don't watch it. And it'll just be another city that you seek for refuge, another place for shelter. There'll always be another den waiting for you and another cave. But somebody's got to get back in touch with their warrior. I used to would never tuck, tail, and run. Then why are you doing it now? I would used to never back down from a fight. Well, why are you doing it now? Because somewhere a voice said it's beyond you. Everybody all right? Real quickly. Real quickly. Oh, God. Just another little aspect in my estimation. The Bible says that David changed his behavior and began to act, proved himself as a madman. He scrabbled, that's the word in the English Bible. He scrabbled on the gates of the city. 
King Akesh basically said, you know, we got enough mad people around here, mad men. <laughs> we got enough crazies. We got enough insanity in this city. We don't need any more. If you think I'm going to invite him to my house, forget it. We don't need him. That was David's ticket out. All right? However you want to see this. David was scrabbling. <laughs> Brother Terry's getting, he's liking it. He's scrabbling on the door. The word scrabble. I kid you not. And I, I'm just pulling this in here. The word scrabble in the Hebrew comes from the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Tav, is that correct? Tav. Which in the old Hebrew, not modern day Hebrew, old Hebrew, Phoenician Hebrew, its sign or indicator, the oldest that they know, was basically a cross. It mutated over time to be like an X. The other one I can't even describe with words and even as it is modern day. But it was a cross. Oh, God. You want to talk about things not appearing as they seem to be. That, that, that tall, from my understanding, Brother Mace could probably go in a whole lot deeper, the Hebrew student. But it meant a sign or a seal could even mean a signature. The old Phoenician and Hebrew. But it was a cross. Talking about things not seeming as they used to be. Because see the Old Testament law. Just walk with me here. The Old Testament law. Even in the book of Deuteronomy. Says cursed is anybody. That hangs on the tree. Crucifix. Negativity. Death. Curse. A mark of disdain. They've evidently done something wrong to have the cross. Shoo! I can't but help that through the man David, whom would come the seed of Christ, something is foreshadowing, even through the change of behavior with the scrabbling on the city gate, as he's marking crosses all over that thing. It's not as it appears to be. They would say, cursed is the man that's on that tree. But years, thousands of years hence, on Golgotha, what was a curse is a blessing. What looked like a malefactor of disdain is a king of truth. Oh, can someone hear me? That the man they put up there, that evidently they said done wrong is what they spoke over him. But there was a sign they put up as mockery, but was really the truth. He is the king of the Jews, and he's still the warrior to seize and to conquer. It's an amazing day when change his behavior, and he's marking the city gates with a cross because things are not always as they seem to be. You can stand with me right now tonight. If you could take it through the mark, even whenever that developed, you know, to meaning a seal or a sign or a signature. Your signature is who you are. 
That thing mutated from a cross to X. I haven't really done the study. You might know this. I don't know if that's the reason why they denote X to where you're supposed to sign on documentation today. I don't know. It might be a possibility. My mind just went there. But your signature is who you are. However it is that he was marking on there. It's not as it seems to be. It's not beyond me. I'm not the fugitive. Boom. Here's my sign, my seal, my signature. They called me king. That's what I've been anointed for. They remembered me as a warrior. That's still who I am. If we bow our heads in this place tonight. It's not as it appears to be. I feel in my spirit this week that there may be some people that's entered to this service tonight that's had feelings about themselves and feelings about where they are in life and feelings about what's happened around them. And it's dictated to them to act in the way of one that is retreating, to respond in the way of one that is a fugitive. But if you could just now tonight hear the piercing voice of an old enemy reverberate, reverberate in your ears, just resound in your ears this. They're looking at you right now in your state that you feel you are in and saying, there's the warrior. Isn't that the warrior? There's the warrior. There's the king. They got power. In reality, the servants are saying these things to King Achish. You know why? Because when David walks in, they're thinking he's going to do some harm in the city. He's the warrior. He's, the, he's got power and authority and dominion. He can do anything. They're thinking the very opposite of what David is thinking for his entrance into the city is. And I tell you that there's some old adversaries that sees where you are right now quite differently than the way that you feel things are right now. It's not the way it appears. It's not the way that it feels to you. You need to lift up your hands and say, God, I'm ready to marshal an army again. <laughs> God, I'm really ready to start moving and operating in some of those kingship rows of authority and power and dominion. These altars are open tonight. Perhaps there's somebody that's felt like a fugitive for the past months or even the past year. Perhaps you have felt in retreat mode and trying to find the refuge and shelter mode. You need to understand you're still the warrior that you've been. And God has a destiny of kingship upon your life. He's already anointed you for it. He's already put the prescription of anointing upon your life for it. You need to live as you are and as God prescribes you to be by the authority and the faith and the word of God. These altars are open. As many of us that could, could we gather in around this altar tonight? Could someone gather in? and proclaim in their spirit it's not like it feels like it is to me it's not as it appears to me I've heard voices speak that says it's beyond me and I've lived my life according to that declaration but I've heard another declaration hallelujah that says I'm still the warrior and I'm the king I'm going to arise I'm going to arise I'm going to fight I'm going to go forward I'm going to smite I'm going to slay this is who I am Talk to the Lord right now, brother and sister Mason. Hallelujah.
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.